This is Geek News Central. My name is Todd Cochran, coming to you from the new media production studio. The lead stories are the FTC wants to make it easier for you to cancel subscriptions. The Turing Award goes to Robert Metcalf, co-inventor of the Ethernet. Tech makers must provide repairs for up to 10 years under a proposed European Union law. And journalists targeted by USB drives that explode in their PCs. I want to welcome you to episode 1658 of the Geekness Central podcast for Thursday, March 23rd. This show is sponsored in part by GoDaddy.com and listeners just like you. We are currently lit and live on all of the new podcasting apps that support this at podcastapps.com. But I want you to make sure you get over there and get one of those and participate in a new ecosystem of podcasting. Anyway, again, this show is sponsored in part by GoDaddy.com and listeners just like you and great deals from GoDaddy can be found at geeknesscentral.com forward slash GoDaddy. You can support this show today at geeknesscentral.com forward slash insider. Of course, I want to give a warm, warm welcome to all brand new listeners of the show. Make sure you get over to geeknesscentral.com when you're over there. Follow or subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to stay connected with your favorite podcasting app. Of course, a little bit further down the page is a link to our newsletter. Sign up for a newsletter so you don't miss a single edition of the show. Just get subscribed to the show. That's the main thing to start off with, of course. And a kiss. And if you want to participate in the uh, in this show, you can do so by joining our chat room at geeknews.chat. That's a Mastodon chat server. All you got to do is apply and say, hey, Todd, I'd like to be part of your community. I listen to this podcast or our Discord channel. Link to that is in the show notes. You can contact me via email, easy enough, geeknews at gmail.com, geeknews at gmail.com, or on Twitter at geeknews. Of course, you can search for me on Facebook as well, just by searching for my name, Todd Cochran. Friend me over there, and if you don't look like a weirdo, I will definitely follow you back. Partner shows are all linked at geeknewscentral.com. includes the new media show, co-hosted by myself, Mr. Rob Greenley, the gadget professor, Mr. Don Bain, and, of course, the GNC Week in Review with Kirk and Scott. And, of course, Kirk is our executive producer here at Geekness Central that finds all the stuff that we talk about during the show. And, of course, I want to thank Kirk for his ongoing fabulous job in getting the show ready to go and uh, doing my show prep here for me. Of course, this show is sponsored by the long longest-running continuous sponsor of a podcast. That's our good friends at GoDaddy. You, again, can find great deals at geeknesscentral.com forward slash GoDaddy, where you can save, 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 and save and save again by using my promo codes. 30% off. Get 30% off today on new product purchases by using my promo code on the aforementioned website. Or 499.coms for our brand new customers. If you're transferring a winner, just picking one up. That's, again, a new customer deal, one-time deal only. But the two best deals remain. The dollar ninety nine a month account I'm hosting for the first year with a free domain, and the two ninety nine a month managed WordPress hosting for the first year with a free domain. Those are the absolute best two deals in the podcasting space for getting hosting. Absolutely the best hosting deals on the planet. That dollar ninety nine 
a month manage. I mean, excuse me. They, yeah, the dollar ninety nine a month economy hosting is great for those of you thinking about doing an e commerce site. Has lots of flexibility, allows you to power up and get a, a business started online. The two ninety nine a month managed WordPress hosting for the first year with a free domain again is exactly what it says. It's a managed WordPress install. You don't really have to do anything. They back it up. They keep most of it updated. You just have to not go in there and change a bunch of stuff in the back end. You just go in there and set it up, get your uh, template put in, brand it up a little bit, and, and you're in business. And you can become a podcaster right on that $2.99 a month manage WordPress hosting. Get you all set, giddy to go. And of course, these GoDaddy codes are not expiring, have been verified to work, and are easily. Easily utilized by just clicking on the link. You support this team that keeps this podcast online, the independent team employed. Again, you're supporting a small team of independent content creators. So definitely, thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for for being engaged. Thank you very much for supporting the sponsor. And again, again, get over to geekincentral.com forward slash GoDaddy. We thank GoDaddy for being a longtime sponsor. Here of the show. If you're watching on one of the streams, whether it be Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, we want to hear from you. Make sure you check in. Just say hello. It's all you got to do. I am watching a Facebook stream, so I can't respond to other folks, but uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you later on those other platforms. But make sure you check in and say hi if you're watching live. And if you're in the uh, the lit ecosphere. Uh, thank you for being here as well. And we hope that you will boost the show uh, as we provide value today. So uh, no additional, we had some streaming sats come in, uh, nothing in between uh, from a boost standpoint. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that uh, during the show. Hey, I do want to kind of catch up real quick here. Um, I've kind of caught... The chat GBT bug. And let me tell you what I did today that just blew me away. We had a, my company had a study done uh, a couple of years ago where we pulled, basically they interviewed uh, podcasters for us and our competitors. And I took that compiled data that we had gained from the, uh, customers and I basically took all that data and I went into chat GBT4 and I said use the following data to write a concise uh, user persona based on the, the following data and I dumped in three four pages worth of uh, questions and answers and uh, summaries and in about 60 seconds, ChatGPT4 wrote me this incredible user persona that if I had done that myself, it would have probably have taken me an hour. And it wouldn't have been as concise. And it was very, very clean, didn't need any editing whatsoever. And I went on and said, then I asked it, using that user persona, write me a new user survey to validate data and to gain new insights to our customers. 
and it proceeded to write me a 24-question survey. And I sit and watch this thing and was literally floored. I would say there was probably, of those 24 questions, probably 22 of them I can use without any modification. But I wanted some additional information. So I said, how about, and I queried it and I said, you know, let me give you an example. Um, I wanted some specific data. So I gave it some additional instructions on to write me some more questions. And it essentially wrote me, I did three, three separate times. I said, I'm looking for this specific information back from our customers. So in, in all told, it wrote me about a 48 question survey, which is significant. And it literally took all of about, I think from start to finish, 15 minutes. That includes pulling the data out of the document that I wanted to pull out from the study, coming up with the information on the user persona, and then asking it to write the questions about, again, about 15 minutes total. So I thought, wow, well, this thing, can this be in a format that I can send over to SurveyMonkey? That's the survey application I use. And I said, hey, write, uh, export this to SurveyMonkey. And I said, I can't give you a file, but I can give you the, the pure text of this that will go right into their system. And I thought, no way. So got all this text, went over to SurveyMonkey, and I, I never used an import function over there. And I'm kind of, you know, it took me like, five minutes just to kind of figure out on SurveyMonkey how to do the import. And I said, import this. And it created my entire SurveyMonkey question bank instantly. It needs a little tweaking here and there where maybe I missed a little space or something. But I, I mean, I was really astounded to, to say the least on just this task alone probably saved me eight hours of work and 15, 20, 25 minutes total. And I had done, and I, I'm just, I sat back in this and I, I, I looked at it and I really w was pretty shocked on how capable, and, and I am convinced now, again, I provided the data that I wanted it to use. So I gave it source material. I gave it, I educated it on true data that I had. And it used my data to write questions and to write this user persona. Didn't ask it to do research because I gave it the, the core information. A um, couple of other things I've done over the past couple of days, too, just on a whim, has blown me away on some things that I've seen. And I truly, truly believe that if you become very skilled at knowing how to ask questions to these AIs 
in their rudimentary form that they are now, you are going to have a significant gain in productivity. And be honest with you, you're going to look pretty doggone smart. Again, I wasn't using this as create me a user persona. I fed it data that I already had. And I probably could have come up with criteria, additional criteria if I hadn't had the source data. But it was, it was like something else. I, and I, I, asked, um, I asked it the other day. Um, I typed in um, essentially write an emotional, and, and, and basically it was for a product page. I said, and I felt this product page was missing some emotional connection. You know, and I said, take this data and write me an emotional reason why someone would um, would want to use this product. And I said, do it in, in uh, four sentences. And it, it pumped out four sentences that were, I, I, I just sit there dumbfounded. Now. Could have I written those four sentences myself? Yep, I sure could have. But I'm going to tell you something. It would have took me a lot longer. Probably triple the time it took. And there are just some things. Um, this, is, this is like uh, like crack. I mean, I'm going to have to be careful in my employment of this because it's making me more productive. And I had talked to uh, Marlo from the Tech Ranch at, um, at Podcast Movement Evolutions, and he was explaining to me how he's saving like three hours a day in responding to email. Some of it's repetitive, but he tries to personalize it. He says he gets the email and he, he writes like, a few things and this thing will kick out a two, a two sentence or two, three sentence or four sentence email response. And I just, I still haven't quite figured out how that is going to work because I'm at this, I, our questions that come into email are so focused and specific on a specific issue or need or want. Um, but I'm, I'm just flabbergasted. In a, in a big, big way. Um, so it's, and I, I'm going to have to go back to my team and say, all right, let's review all this. Does, am, am I being too excited or does the questions that chat GBT came up with, does it make sense? And again, I had, I had fed it data, created the user persona, and then basically wanted to amplify and get new information to up. So basically what I could take this and do is if I decide to go with this survey, I could submit this to our users. We could get X number of responses in. I could take those answer responses that came in and do a A-B comparison between the data we had before and the data we're getting now and see I can mix it two or three different ways. I could take the response data and write, get a whole new user persona. Then I could do cross comparison because all these sessions are saved. I go back to the session and say, hey, here's new data that we've learned. 
update the persona or start a new session, say, write a new persona based upon this new information, and I get the AB. It's powerful. I, I would have to pay. I got to thinking about it. The research firm that did this work for us before did in-person interviews, and there's nothing that's really going to be better than that. They spend 20 minutes with them on the phone or Zoom and go through things and you can ask amplifying questions. But if I've got the base information that I need, that I paid big money for that research, and now I can take and hone the questions I need to ask two years later, I don't need a research firm to do this for me. I do not. I don't know if I had would have been able to create the questions that it produced um, in the entirety of it. Now, there's a few times it runs home to mama. Uh, there was, there was a, basically, it would get to a certain section. It said, would you pay Blueberry extra for this feature? And that really wasn't the point, was not trying to focus and find out if people are going to make more money. We're just trying to get information. So it does sometimes, there's some stuff that just say, okay, that ain't going to work. We don't want that in there. And, but it's still, it again, it gives you this starting point. And I think that's the big difference here. And the big thing that I found so far is it gives you this, this starting point and has given me ideas that probably is one of those fleeting things where you're driving down the road and you think about something and you think, ah, oh, that's good. And then, you know, if you didn't write it down, you lose it or in your shower or wherever. It's, it feels like that. It feels like these, ah, oh, it's like a, it's like a tipper. It's like, I'm getting tipped. It's like, it's like, have you ever listened to something on TV or maybe in a podcast or something and you go, ah, oh, ah, oh. Well, this is the ah moment I'm having. And I'm having them multiple times a day right now in, um, in this. And so it, I have a you know, strict set of work I have to get done, but my brain keeps thinking, well, what if, what if? And I, you know, I find myself where we're doing a little experiment. Um, but yeah, definitely helps with my productivity. And if we're just here right now with this, whew, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting moving forward. And I could see, I could see, let me put it this way. If I can get twice as done, twice as much done and half the work with, assistance like this. If I can get twice the amount of work done with just half the, you know, what does that mean for employees down the road? I think if you are in business and you are not paying attention to this, uh, again, you got to figure out your application. You got to figure out how not to get biases in it, but you have to, you know, if you can feed it good info, um, I, I think this thing, there's pieces of this that I like a lot. I don't like the specific parts of where it writes blog post. So far, I'm not impressed with that, that piece because it runs home to mama and how it writes. 
but you can get ideas. You know, if you have a topic idea that you're going to write about, it says, you know, you can, you can say, you know, give me 10 ideas on this topic and it can get you a starting point to do your own writing. It doesn't have to write for you. It can give you some tippers. Uh, and I find the chat GPT four, which is very, very limited right now to be much more powerful than the GPT 3.5. But they announced some stuff today that I'm kind of excited about because they say open eye connects chat GBT to the internet. Now, what I want to do, and the thing that I've really wanted is I want to be able to tell ChatGBT, here is my sitemap for my website. Go look. I, I want to be able to have it look at pages within my website and then be, start telling me some things. I wanted to analyze the data that's on our websites and give me some, some specific tax. And I don't want to talk about this because I think some of this is going to be a very competitive advantage. Right now, they're connecting it only to Bing, which is dumb. But I want to be able to say, here's a, a source URL, go one deep, look at all the pages one deep. And when you've finished indexing and doing that, then let me ask you some questions about that data. Um, because that's all stuff we've written. But I, you know, you know, optimizing stuff, cross links, this kinds of stuff, right? So, um, but one one challenge is is that the API for ChatGPT is crazy expensive, crazy, crazy, crazy expensive. This is this is not something um, that you want to to do lightly. Uh, you want to have a if you're going to be tying into something, you want a very, very serious um, thought press that's going to go into what you want to, to keep costs down because costs could just go crazy, crazy, crazy. But I'm on the $20 version of ChatGPT, and with version 4, I'm limited to 25 queries every three hours. So, you know, you have to be, you have to be precise because what it will do, and going back to the example I told you a few minutes ago, is when I did the survey questions, I had to, it will write like one through seven, and you have to say continue survey. And, uh, and basically, each of those queries only put out so much text. So you, I probably burned up five or six of my, of my three-hour quota in that one exchange because it didn't write the whole thing at once. It only writes a certain amount, but you can say continue, and it will continue writing. So um, it's it's pretty remarkable. There's there's going to be some cool stuff that comes out of this. The FTC wants to make it easier for you to cancel subscriptions. That's quite a switch, right? If you can sign up online, you can cancel online. I agree. So you may not get you may you might not have to go to great lengths to cancel subscriptions in the future. The FTC is proposing. Rule changes that require providers to make it easy to cancel subscriptions as it is to sign up, including through the same medium. If it only takes a few clicks to join on an online fitness class, you should have the option to cancel online in as many steps. How about cell phones? Trying to cancel cell phones or cable service. You have to call. The proposal would also let you decline to hear pitches for additional offers when you want to cancel. 
Providers have to provide annual reminders and renewals for subscriptions to any things besides physical goods. Other rule updates would require clear explanations of what people are getting and bar misleading claims. We've made it very easy at my company. I told the team, I said, I never want to have a customer call and say, how do I cancel? We want to make it easy for people to cancel their service if they need to. And because uh, guess what? It's just a waste of time. If they're going to cancel, they're going to cancel. Um, that's just the way it works. So, um, I know, I know I become frustrated and, and it deters you. Oh, okay. I'll forget that. It's just 20 bucks. Right. And if you want to cancel, it should cancel. All right. The Turing award goes to Robert Metcalf, co-inventor of the ethernet, a cool million dollars to a man who is not afraid to eat his own words, nor roll out his own cable. Professor engineer namesake. Metcalf's Law, Robert Metcalf is the latest winner. Of course, Xerox Pal Alta Research Center was just a few years old when Metcalf arrived and set up the lab with that internet precursor ARPANET. The network originally was a single wire bus with a single transceiver per node and was eventually replicated across Xerox and until it became a corporate internet and then an internet for the world. He said, when David and I, of course, David uh, that he's referring to is David Boggs, the late David Boggs. And they had built a hundred node network there. He said, when David and I were building this thing at Park, we planned to run cable up and down every corridor to actually create a omnipresent, completely passive medium for the propagation of electromagnetic waves, in this case, data packets. The first Ethernet ran at 2.94 megabits per second a rate 10 times, 10,000 times faster than the terminal networks before it. Design was documented in a 1976 article titled Ethernet Distributed Packet Switching for Local Computer Networks. He then led a team develop the 10 megabits, 10 megabits per second Ethernet switch, or Ethernet which, now, which standards are now based on. So uh, he says very few things that begin in the beginning progress into what they are. And he says, we're very excited um, with uh, that. So I, I met Bob Metcalf once at an event and uh, to think everything we do on the internet and the data tra packets that, that transverse uh, originated with him is, uh, is a pretty amazing feat. Under a proposed law, tech makers must provide repairs for up to 10 years. The proposal doesn't enforce affordable spare parts, manuals, which right groups are complaining about. But makers of numerous product categories, including TVs, vacuums, smartphones, and tablets, could be required. This is smart to enable repairs for the products for up to 10 years after purchase. Depending on the device type, the European Commission on Wednesday announced a proposal it has adopted that would implement long-term repair requirements electronics markets if the EU Parliament and Council approve it. The regulation would apply to any device repairability requirements in the EU, including vacuum cleaners, washer dryers, welding equipment, servers, and data storage devices. We need that here in the United States. Have you tried to get a, uh, a refrigerator repaired? It's more than a couple of years old. How about a dishwasher? How about a washing machine? 
They do not make these things to last. They break down. Repairs are hard, expensive. We need this law in the United States. We need the ability to repair stuff and get parts, available parts for these. The EU, already the EU requires vendors to repair or replace products within two years of purchase for free if the product is defective. The new regulation requires companies to provide a free repair instead of replacing the product. If doing so would be the same price, oh, the new regulation requires companies to provide a free repair if doing so would be the same price or cheaper than replacing it. Wow. Further proposal legislation requires vendors to perform repairs for a minimum of five to 10 years, depending on the device type. So uh, over 15 years, the commission Commission estimates the regulation would save 18.5 million tons of greenhouse gases, 1.8 million tons of resources, and 3 million tons of waste. And of course, EU consumers would save 165.5 billion euros. So, uh, you know, I think we got to get back into the repair mentality. Everything used to be able to be repaired. Everything. When I was growing up, everything could be repaired and you could get a part. Because there wasn't so many scoos. That was part of the issue, right? So um, I think this is great. I think we should be able to get our stuff repaired. Listen to this. Journalists have been targeted by USB drives that explode. A USB drive triggered a hidden explosive charge when it was plugged into a PC. So if you get a strange blank USB drive sent to you in the mail, be aware, don't plug it into anything anyway. Don't put it into your PC. That's just basic data security. But if you journalists in Ecuador, it's become potentially life-saving advice. A TV network had to call in a local police after a flash drive exploded when a journalist inserted the drive into a USB port. The gadget was rigged to trigger a small amount of RDX, a military-grade chemical explosive, when the computer's electrical charge engaged over the USB connection. As reported by a local TV channel, no one was hurt in the small explosion. Police determined that only half of the drive's explosive load was triggered. Four other explosive USB drives had been sent to journalists and news agencies in Ecuador, three of which failed to detonate, and the last of which was intercepted by postal carriers before it arrived. Police have one suspect so far, but the investigation is ongoing. Organized crime is obviously suspected. Journalists who unknowingly triggered the explosion covers crime and corruption in Ecuador where hundreds of attacks against journalists and media occur every year. So, wow. If nothing else, blow your hand off or something, right? Crazy. And usually you're plugging your drive-in with your writing hand. Know where those USB drives comes, ladies and gentlemen. Whew, hot day in Congress today. TikTok CEO testifies before Congress. I didn't watch the uh, event at all. It was going to be a show. And, um, but apparently there were some tough questions asked and, uh, 
there was uh, some dancing going on. One thing about U.S. data, the CEO said, we have legacy U.S. data sitting on our servers in Virginia and in Singapore. We're deleting those, and we expect that to be complete this year. When that is done, all protected U.S. data will be under protection of U.S. law and under the control of the U.S.-led security team. Represent Buddy Carter on harmful viral videos like Milk Crate Challenge. He says, why is TikTok constantly fails to identify and moderate these kinds of harmful videos? Why is it you allow this to go on? We already heard from parents who are here with us who have lost children. He responded, this is a real industry challenge and we're working on our, he said, no, 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 it's not an industry. This is TikTok we're talking about. TikTok, we're talking about why is it that you can't control this? Tell me why this goes on. Mr. Tr- and, and then represent Darren Soto on ByteDance ownership. He said, Mr. Chu, would TikTok be prepared to divest from ByteDance and Chinese Communist Party ties if the Department of Treasury instructed you to all to do so? He responds, I don't think ownership is the issue here. With a lot of respect, American social companies don't have a good track record with data privacy and user security. I mean, look at Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, just for one example. So it just went on and on like that all afternoon. And uh, TikTok did not from everything I've read so far, TikTok did not do themselves any favors today in their testimony. And, uh, you know, again, I go back to this whole TikTok thing and, and it's about money, ladies and gentlemen. I, I do, you know, okay, so your data's going to go to China. They got everything already. Let's say let's say your data is going to the Chinese Communist Party and they're they're looking at you. What are they gonna garner from you? Well, they're gonna garner what kind of content you like. And maybe they can target you, who knows? But at the same time, TikTok is cleaning Google's and Facebook's and Twitter and everyone's clock and taking billions of advertising dollars out of those companies' pockets and they're putting it in TikTok's pocket. They are chewing away at well-established companies in a big, big way. So is it about money or is it about national security? Which one is it? What do you think? I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Do you think it's about national security? Or is this about the cash? Is this about the money? that TikTok is removing from U.S. companies that have been Goliaths, the 8,000-pound gorillas. Is it about money? What, what do you think? Of course, we don't know what the national intelligence community knows because they haven't really told us. They've told some people, and we know some people are concerned, but break it down for us. Tell us exactly what they're doing with the data and how they're doing it and how it's affecting us, and how it's affecting national security. Lay it out. We're big kids. Tell us everything, and then we can decide. I'm sure if they did, we probably wouldn't believe it anyway, right? But a lot of people are going to be pissed off if TikTok gets taken offline. How and where to buy refurbished tech online. You know, There's lots of good refurbished gear out there. 
And, you know, all of us are, you know, want to, probably going to want an iPhone 15. But again, do we need an iPhone 15? And, you know, maybe need a tablet for your six-year-old or whatever it may be. You know, I've refurbished and recycled devices for years. They've all always been handed down. And refurbished is not the same as used. Used items tend to be sold as is, which means you're simply inheriting whatever mileage. But refurbished is stuff that's been sent out and then sent back. Apple, Microsoft, Bose, Samsung have a whole process for processing refurbished gear. You also get warranties and things are cleaned up and been sanitized. So this article from Engadget has information from Apple, from Samsung, from Bose, from Sonos, from Razer, Microsoft, and other retailers like Dyson, Vitamix. You guys like those blenders? Nintendo, JBL. Uh, I know, talked to somebody the other day. They got a JBL refurbished speaker for like 25 cents on the dollar. Nothing was wrong with it. Got Amazon renewed. It goes on and on. Walmart. And with the budgets the way they are, it's time really to think about making your dollars go further. Target refurbished. Best Buy has a whole, a whole refurbished lineup of stuff that people have returned. This is probably the most valuable article to save you money that I'm going to link to today. You don't buy it, need to buy new. Buy refurbished. Save some money. Again, certified refurbished is different than used. So the link will be up in the show notes. United Airlines and Archer will open an air taxi route to Chicago's O'Hare Airport in 2025. The company said the trip from downtown will take as little as 10 minutes. Well, I drove from downtown Chicago to O'Hare, and depending on traffic, that could be an hour. So Archer Aviation is the company that's got the drone. So they are going to provide taxi service between downtown and O'Hare. I wonder what that will cost. I guess for a business executive that's on the move, probably cost will not be an issue. The rest of us will be stuck in taxis or, or Ubers or Lyfts. Let's see what it's going to cost. Does it say? Yeah, it's going to be limited to deep pocket business travelers. <laughs> it, they're not saying how much it's going to cost, but uh, 2025. So uh, you get 10-minute uh, flight to the airport. That's cool. The question is, where are they going to land you and how far do you have to drag your bag? Is that going to come with some sort of concierge service? That's a question. Hey, there's a very serious article here from Lifehacker about Android. And this talks about stopping hackers from taking over your Android with just your phone number. Samsung and Google phones are currently in danger. Project Zero security research team from Google discovered a whopping 18-day 18 zero-day vulnerabilities with Samsung Exynos modems late last year. Zero-day vulnerabilities are dangerous because bad actors know about them before software and hardware vendors do. Even worse, in this case, four of the 18 zero-days allow for what's called internet-to-baseband remote code execution, in which a hacker can take over your phone with no input on your part. All they need to know is your phone number. And they're in, assuming you have one of the affected devices. 
So mobile devices from Samsung include those in the S22, M33, M13, M12, A71, A53, A33, A21, A13, A12, A0, A04 series. Mobile devices from Vivo include S16, F15, S6, X70, X60, and X30, Pixel 6, and Pixel 7, and any vehicle using the Equinox Auto T5123 chipset. Updates are coming. but. Some of them may not be here until April. So don't share your number with someone you don't know. Be careful out there. But people could do this just by spoofing numbers too, which is kind of uh, kind of crazy. So uh, just be aware there is a zero day out there. That's a bad one. You know, I get nostalgic all the time. Uh, you know, my back shelf here has lots of nostalgia on it. Even my desk over here does too, uh, in between the minions and so forth. But who invented the laptop? Seven early portable computers that kickstarted mobile working. And boy, you look at some of these and you're like, wow, yep, I remember those days. Uh, you know, here's the IBM device that uh, was one of the, you know, one of the first, lots of 3.5 inch floppies, the IBM 5100. You've got the Epson HX20, the R2E CCMC portal. Whew, my goodness. And then you have a real screen, the Osborne one. These really are supposed to be portables, right? But they probably weighed 50 pounds. So the grid compass, compact portable. And I remember my first uh, true portable. And of course, the TRS-80 Model 100. Uh, you know, just lots of these fun devices that were from the old days. I would just love to have a couple of these. You know, I'm sure we can find them in, that are non, non-workable, non but just to have one that worked and you could play around with it would be a, a lot of blast. Uh, it be a, would be a blast. But make a, make use of .com as a website to go ahead and check out. Congratulations to Mars Helicopter Ingenuity. It aces its 48th flight on the Red, on the red Pilot. <laughs> red Pilot. Red Planet, Little Chopper's most recent hop occurred on March 21st. How far did it go? It traveled uh, top speed to 10.4 miles per hour, covered a horizontal distance of around 1,300 feet, and for about 2 minutes and 30 seconds. So uh, it's pretty amazing. It's made 48 flights. That's, that's, that's pretty big if you think about it. And uh, how long it's actually lasted under those harsh conditions. Adobe, boy, oh boy, uh, I got some team members that are really excited about Figma. But Adobe's trying to win over authorities on the Figma deal. And uh, Figma, their Figma acquisition is under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, they're trying to get this deal undone because they say it's uh, anti-competitive. Yeah, I use a bunch of Adobe products, uh, but you know the Figma thing is using AI to create images. But uh, Adobe CEO said the company is still working to convince authorities that its purchase of the design startup Figma isn't anti-competitive. And he said, at this point, we're focused on continuing to press upon the authorities why this is good. Adobe is counting on Figma to help expand its web-based offerings and make inroads with product designers and non-professionals specifically. But antitrust enforcers are concerned about the creative software's gobbling up even more of the industry. 
The Justice Department regulars have been preparing a lawsuit to try and block Adobe's $20 billion Figma takeover. And Adobe argues that the acquisition isn't anti-competitive because Figma isn't a rival of its most important products, such as Photoshop, but it actually can be used via Photoshop later, and Adobe's product design offering. So he said the company's upbeat earnings last week show that the deal was made from a position of strength. So we'll see what happens with this. But, uh, you know, lots of stuff being consolidated into smaller number of companies always is a concern. If you're over by uh, Waco, Texas, where I spent a lot of time before, you may have got a little bit of a, a sight in the sky. A Chinese rocket, a Chinese rocket uh, burnt up over Texas. The re-entries of the Chinese Long March 2D rocket second stage was uh, reported on March 9th, and it was confirmed that it was more than likely, uh, you know, what, that's exactly what it is. You know, the U.S. tries to burn stuff up over the ocean. The Chinese really don't care. They just drop it in wherever they want. So uh, not surprising, really, in the least of the way they operate. Sadly, Relativity Space has a successful, what they're calling a successful failure with the debut of the Terran 1. The shiny white Terran 1 rocket launched on its third attempt, lifting off from Florida's Cape Canaveral. The small methane-fueled rocket then produced some stunning views as a bluish-green flame powered it towards space. The first stage with nine engines appeared to perform nominally as it rose through the atmosphere. Then the rocket's second stage successfully separated, and then something happened. From the video on board the rocket, it appeared the second stage engine attempted to ignite, but could not sustain this ignition, and uh, it's, it burned up back into the Atlantic Ocean. Now, this was an experimental launch, carried no payload, and uh, so we'll see what they do. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board, but uh, space continues to be hard for all these uh, companies for these companies. So uh, time will tell what happens there with a Terran. Failed launches end up meaning less money. Ford Motor Company will lose $3 billion on electric vehicles in 2023, it says. They say Ford is profitable, but the EV division should be seen as a startup. And uh, this is a big number, a big number. The news came in peak in the news came in a peek into Ford's financials release this morning. Ford has split its passenger vehicle operations into two divisions. Electric vision, electric vehicles fall under uh, Ford Model E with internal combustion engines powered by Fords, including hybrids and plug-ins falling under Ford Blue. The move was large to make investors happy who are basically starry-eyed during a time when any EV-related stock was booming. So he said, uh, this thing is going to lose some money. The Model E's lost $900 million in 2021, $2.1 billion in 2022, and $3 billion in 2023. And it's easy to see why it's doubling the production rate of the Mustang Mach-E to 210,000 a year and the tripling number of F-150s to 150,000. They got to get this thing profitable. So uh, Ford says expects a Model E should achieve 8% profit margin before interest or taxes by the end of 2026. So we'll see about that one. Meanwhile, there are now four chargers in my little town. Yes, four, whopping four. These cities are leading the EV adoption. Well, 
as you can expect, California, Portland, or cities in California, uh, Portland specifically, San Francisco, San Jose, uh, where else? Miami, uh, and a few others. They don't have the full list here. But it basically says uh, it's because, uh, you know, there's a lot more charging stations. Miami has 850 public charging stations. It's also one of the cheapest regions to charge an EV, charging only 90 cents per e-gallon of electricity. This warm climate also keeps EV batteries functioning at maximum capacity. So, uh, again, uh, big challenges here. There's an article that was put together by Business Insider that says America needs immigration reform or it's risk losing an entire generation of tech workers to a country like Canada, the UK, and Japan. I, I have a simple solution for them. We don't have to have an issue. All the folks that are these tech workers, they just need to fly into Mexico and cross the border on foot, and they're good. They don't have to apply for an H-1B visa. No, 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 no. Just, just come across the border. And you're all set. You know, all set. Come on down. Come on in. And, uh, you know, be able to work and, uh, you know, claim asylum and, you know, you'd be good. But a lot of uh, tech workers, some here in even in Michigan that were working in Detroit, which were laid off, uh, basically have crossed over into Canada. And Canada's opened up their arms to them, and they're going to work in Canada, their tech sector, as well as as United Kingdom, Singapore, and Australia. They've uh, got great uh, immigration policies for tech workers. Um, interesting, isn't it? Think about that for a few minutes. And uh, it's hard, hard to get help. The SEC just, oh, I'm going to wait till I get to the end because this ties together with another article. Yeah, let me get do that. Come back to this. If you live in the northern part of the country, the northern lights could dazzle the skies from Washington to New York on Friday, blown by winds from a giant hole on the sun. So lights could be dazzling. The lights known as Aurora Borealis may be seen as as far south as Washington and Michigan. Now, when I was a kid, I think I've told this before, I think I was about 13, I saw Aurora Borealis um, and had no idea what the heck it was. It scared the living crap out of me. The northern lights are typically visible close to Arctic Circle, but a forecast from the Space Weather Prediction Center shows they could creep further south as strong solar winds arrive lighting up the skies with beautiful colors. So we will see what happens here uh, over the weekend. Keep an eye out tomorrow if we have clear skies. Usually it's cloudy and muggy here. Not muggy, but, you know, cloudy. Artificial intelligence finds the first stars were not alone. And this goes deep, science deep stuff. But they're saying the first stars born soon after the Big Bang did not contain such heavy elements, which astronomers call metals. Next generation stars contain only a small amount of heavy elements produced by the first stars. To understand the universe in infancy requires researchers to study these metal poor stars. The second generation metal poor stars are observed in our Milky Way and have been studied by a team of affiliate members of the Cavalier Institute. The team, led by a bunch of doctors, used some AI models to uh, 
to analyze these these stars, and they have a new algorithm to uh, to do different types of surveys and so forth. And their theory of the first star tells us that the first star should be more massive than the sun. The natural expectation was the first star was born in a gas cloud containing a million, the mass million, million times more than our sun. So anyway, the link will be on the show notes. You can check it out. A little bit too deep for me. Attackers hit a bit, hit Bitcoin ATMs to steal $1.5 million in crypto cash. Terminal maker General Byte shutters its cloud business after second breach in seven months. According to General Byte's outfit that sold the ATMs had managed some of them with a cloud service. The attackers used an interface designed to upload videos instead of a, instead injected a malicious Java application and then subverted ATM user privileges. They drained at least 56 Bitcoin from crypto wallets. General Bytes issued a patch 15 hours after discovering the intrusion, but by then the digital coins were gone, leaving an unknown number of victims on the hook for the lost money. So uh, General Bytes and Nofi companies that bought the ATMs and shut down their systems. A supplier headquartered in Prague with a U.S. office in Brandon, Florida, sells, operates five different models of crypto ATMs. I know some people have these crypto ATMs in their businesses and get paid as much as $500 a month to have them in there. So I wonder what happens with those individuals. The Linus Tech Tips YouTube hack is the latest in a line of crypto scam breaches. So basically, popular YouTube Linus Tip Tech Tips has been breached. Apparently, it is part of some sort of advertising thing. What's going on is these YouTubers are contacted by, by a specific advertiser they're provided some software that they have to run in order to participate in whatever they're doing and it hacks their machines and hacks their youtube accounts so uh anyway they've been locked out and uh, this is the latest a series of breaches that occurred over the past couple of years on youtube did you hear about this amazon driver who delivered a package during a police standoff he hands uh the package to a swap member Wow. <laughs> an, Amazon, an Amazon driver went above and beyond the call of duty after furiously dropping off a package in the middle of an active police standoff. The dangerous delivery transpired last month. It was amassed 6.7 million views since then as viewers praised the carrier's dedication. When you're about your business, nothing will get in your way, reads the caption to the video of the dramatic drop-off which occurred last month in Cary, North Carolina. Don't know if he was delivering to the person that was uh, basically being held up or what. But anyway, the video's up. Link will be in the show notes for you to check it out. Um, oh, huge. You, those of you with a pair of binoculars, you can look out the window. A huge asteroid will soar between Earth and the moon this weekend. NASA says while close approaches like this are common, one by an asteroid this large happens only about once per decade. The space rock called 2023 D-72 will make its close approach to Earth on Saturday. The asteroid will swing by at a safe distance of 108,000 miles, a little less than half the moon's average distance from Earth. DZ-2 is, is between 131 and 301 feet in diameter. So uh, we'll see what happens with this. Hopefully they got their calculations right. FTX bankruptcy estate to claw back $460 million from Modulo 
capital. Alameda Research seeded little-known Bahamas-based hedge fund Modulo Capital with $475 million in 2022. The recovery includes $404 million in cash. So good for them. Need more of those types of moves. Probably that'd be about the biggest amount of money they'll ever get. Hey, the SEC has charged Lindsay Lohan and other celebrities for illegally touting crypto. They didn't disclose they were being paid to promote Justin Sun's Tronics and BitTorrent tokens. Now, at the same time, uh, that individual is got an arrest warrant as well. So uh, Justin Sun is uh, wanted by the SEC. He paid celebrities with millions of social media followers to tout the unregistered offerings while specifically directing that they not disclose their compensation. All celebrities charged with the exception of Sue Jula Boy and musician Austin Mahoney have agreed to pay a collective amount of $400,000 in penalty to settle the charges. It's not the first time the SEC went after celebrities shilling crypto on social media. They previously charged Kim Kardashian and NBA Hall of Famer Paul Pierce for posting about Erythium Max tokens without revealing that they've been paid. Always disclose if you're being paid to shill something, ladies and gentlemen. Toshiba has accepted $15 billion buyout offer from Japanese consortium. Japanese industrial partners led bid marks 10% premium over the stock's latest close. So congratulations to Shiba now has a potentially here a brand new owner. All right. One second here. We did get a comment that came in. Make sure I'm in the right folder. GNC comments. There we go. This comes in from Greg. He says, Hey Todd, regarding the story of Ikea using drones for inventory, it is true that sales will adjust your available stock. But it's also important to do periodic inventory. I didn't find statistics for IKEA shrinkage, but see this article for five causes of inventory loss. So I thank you for that. And basically, number one, inaccurate or fraudulent fulfillment. Someone's run something through the back door. Human errors account for 16% of shoplifting, 38% loss. Employee theft. Second largest cause at 35%. Unexplained or active God shrinking. The remaining 4% don't, don't fall into any of these categories and generally talked up to as active gods or left as unsolved mysteries. So 7% is because of fraudulent, fraudulent fulfillment. So interesting. It's a whole article about how stuff walks out the door, essentially. And that's why they have to do physical. Inventory. It's amazing that it's still that bad. It re really, really is. But uh, definitely want to thank Greg for sending that link over. I'll put that link up in the show notes tonight as well. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, apparently, apparently, I'm looking at the the counter here. No one apparently is using a new podcast app today while we are live. Actually, no, there is someone that is streaming some sats live. Who is this? Uh, someone using Castomatic. I don't see your name. So uh, those of you that are streaming the show live uh, on YouTube and Facebook and place like that, we want you, those of you that are doing live, can go over to podcastapps.com and grab 
one of these cool apps and you can watch live and lit while we're live and lit. Or you can participate in the value for value program we keep talking about. I guess I'm not giving value. I guess the information I'm sharing with all of you is worthless uh, because uh, definitely no participation in the last couple of days. What's up with that? Newpodcastapps.com, newpodcastapps.com. Pick yourself up uh, Podverse or Fountain and uh, get engaged with a new legacy of podcasting apps. Don't use an old app. You know, don't use one of these old podcast apps that don't allow you to interact. Get on the bandwagon here. We want you to participate. You're geeks, you're nerds, you're cool kids. You listen to a tech show. You listen to me. Go get yourself a new podcasting app at podcastapps.com. And let's get uh, get you on the bandwagon here. All right. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all so much for being here. I will be back with you. What is today? Today's Thursday. Be back with you Monday for another edition of the Geekness Central Podcast. Do not forget geeknews at gmail.com, at geeknews on Twitter. And if you don't want to participate in value for value, you can pick up a product from GoDaddy at geeknesscentral.com forward slash GoDaddy. And once again, major, major thanks to the insiders who are producing and contributing two, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, or twenty-five dollars a month. Thank you much for your ongoing support of the show. Until next time, get out of here, and we'll leave you with a screenshot of my shrinking Satoshi balance. Everyone, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on the Geekness Central podcast. Take care. Bye bye. Actually, the value's going up.